Welcome to the Green Edge podcast with Michael Cross and me, Fraser Harper. This is our weekly update for the week ending 31st of March 2023. We haven't written many words for this week's Green Edge post, but we have used quite a few charts and images. Nine of them, in fact, and we've selected them from what is becoming our extensive library of reports describing the progress of the energy industry towards net zero, both globally and in particular here in the UK. In the post, we look at the rate at which energy sources are moving away from fossil fuels towards renewables, together with the projections for different renewable sources, the amount of wind and solar waiting to be connected to the world's grids, and of course, batteries and other types of energy storage. But this is only a snapshot, and the total energy picture is a lot more complex than that, Michael. It is, but I think these charts tell that tale very, very quickly. And our thought in putting the post together was actually generating a series or bringing together a series of images that people could readily use, both in lectures, communications, and education programs. And also to illustrate, there is a wealth of excellent material that's very high quality that's being produced by a series of very reputable sources. And we were trying to showcase some of that. Now, we also give a passing reference in the post to heat generation, which is, of course, a big part of the overall energy picture. And you found an interesting heat project going on down in Cornwall, Michael. Yes, we did. We came across a project at Stythians down in Cornwall, and we thought it was important to include because there are about 1.7 million homes across the UK that are off grid. That's off the grass grid and will have to jump into a new form of energy. And whilst some are playing and going to pilots on hydrogen, the majority will go to some form of heat pump. Now, the Stadions project uh, is a series of deep ground source heat pumps supplied by a company called Kenza, who manufacture them in the UK. And we thought it would illustrate what is the potential there of community network schemes. But also, I think it starts to illustrate if we actually dig some deep holes, and we've got quite a lot in the UK, uh, of where we have ex-mining, where we could actually trap and capture waste heat that's being generated anyway. And I was in a conversation yesterday with a university in Scotland. We'll say it was Edinburgh. Um, one of the thoughts they've going through their mind about their new computer centre is tapping into the energy of the mines beneath the city of itself and using that to power their very un- hungry energy-wise computer centre. There are certainly a lot of deep holes back in my homeland of County Durham. My grandmother's house disappeared into one at one stage. I hope your grandmother wasn't in it at the time. <laughs> and as ever, you can find this week's post on greenedge.substack.com. And you can also find this podcast on all the major streaming platforms, including Apple, Google and Amazon. Now, a couple of weeks ago, we posted on the work we've been doing with our friends at Thomas Jardine & Co. for the Cumbria Local Skills Improvement Plan on Skills for Offshore Wind. We got a fair few responses to the post from various people involved in LSIPs around the country, and one of these was from Andrew Eldred, the Director of Workforce and Public Affairs at the Electrical Contractors Association. Regular Green Edge listeners may remember that we posted on the ECA's Leading the Charge Outreach Programme in September of last year, 
And when Andrew contacted us this time around, he told us that ECA has been busy talking to more than 20 of the LSIPs and has been putting data together on metrics like electrician population density, electrical apprenticeship starts and other electrical learner enrolments in each of the LSIP areas. He told us he hasn't had the opportunity to share his data with the Cumbria LSIP yet as they haven't got back to him. But Michael, I would have thought that this type of data would be very useful to all the LSIPs. It would, because what Andrew is doing is collating data on what we could call a core net zero job, the electrician. It is as fundamental to the installation, maintenance and operation of much of the net zero technology as we'll see it in buildings, in our homes, on the roadways for charging cars and the like. So he'll be providing us with an insight into the capacity of local areas to actually deliver on net zero by having enough pairs of qualified hands. Now, Andrew did say that talking to the various LSIP employee representative bodies has been pretty time-consuming. But ECA is finding that people at local level are more willing to look at things in the round and are looking to achieve real outcomes. And he contrasted this with, and I quote, the typically abstract, siloed and inconsistent priorities that we tend to encounter in Whitehall and Westminster, where the policy seems to be the thing, rather than how this policy interacts with others and what it is, or more often isn't, achieving in the real world. A fair point, Michael? I think it's a very, very fair observation. And I think it partially explains the current push to move more and more decision-making and policy integration to local level, hence the powers being pushed into the hands in Manchester and Birmingham of their local mayors, in parallel with what's happened in London. And also the whole nature of the LSIP process is a collaborative activity to help to produce a coherent and consistent plan that cuts across all the policy activities. And one of the things we've been trying to do on the Green Edge is pull together different aspects of different government policies that impinge upon the green agenda, i.e. free ports would be within those investment zones, then the raft of research projects, which cut across both of those two types of investment areas, along with other policies as well to replace boilers, to prevent the use of cars beyond a certain date and the like. Regular listeners to this podcast may remember that a few weeks ago I recorded part of the podcast in Zurich Airport while I was en route to South Africa. Well, this is where I've been ever since that time, and I've been doing my bit for the Green Edge from my base in Cape Town, as well as taking a few forays along the western and eastern capes to drink some wine, partake in a braai or two, and talk to a few people about the net zero situation over here. Many listeners will know that a big issue in South Africa is load shedding, that's scheduled power cuts to conserve electricity, which has been going on for quite a few years now. And when I arrived at the end of February, a sensational interview had just gone out on the nation's TV with Andre Dureta, the outgoing CEO of the state electricity company ESCOM. The interview has caused all sorts of ructions here all the way up and down society, and Dureta himself has reportedly gone into hiding. Now, I'm not going to get into the politics of it, but I will be writing more about what I've seen when I return later in April. But for now, here's a very small snippet from the interview. In response to the interviewer, Annika Larson's question about why a just transition from coal to renewables is taking so long in South Africa. The quickest energy that we can today deploy is wind and solar. We can remove the obstacles to growth 
uh, so the economy can can recover. Fifty six percent of South Africa's exports are at risk of the so called CBAM carbon border adjustment mechanism, or essentially just a carbon border tax. Now this is pretty existential, uh, and I've had calls from large manufacturers and large minerals processors desperately asking me, do you have green energy available because we are going to lose market share if we don't start now? And the lack of response from government, frankly, I find rather puzzling in the face of, of such a huge risk to our export industries. Then you look at the environment. 29,000 people die prematurely every year due to ambient air pollution. And we are somehow okay with it. Personally, I've, I've, I've got a big issue with that. What would you say to the next ESCOM CEO? Don't have a personalised mug. Right then, Michael. Well, here we are at the end of March and a quarter of 2023 has gone already. And as usual, it's time for your reports roundup, which we'll post on Monday morning because we like our subscribers to enjoy their weekends. But it's a huge crop again this month. Highlights for you? There are a whole series of highlights and there's been a bunching of them. We've listed 74 reports for this month. And the one I'm going to pick out is a really interesting piece of work done by System IQ, the University of Exeter and the Bezos Earth Fund. Now, the document or report they produce is the breakthrough effect, how to trigger a cascade of tipping points to accelerate the net zero transition. It sounds esoteric and it sounds almost theoretical. What they've done is look at all the competing and complementary technologies to deliver net zero, looked at their interrelationships and try to identify two or three that if you had to prioritise, you should start first because they'll have a knock-on effect to the other areas and provide stepping stones. And in their report, they highlight those three. They do a lovely diagram, I think, on pages 18 and 19 around the status of tipping points for key technologies and solutions, and then go on to map later on in the report, round about page 62 and 63, the different types of interrelationships you can get if you start on one or two pathways. And that's around vehicles, fertilizers, and the use of different types of food, because they affect three key areas. And I think it's a really interesting piece of work. And it'd be fascinating to see that taken up at a national level and translated again, as we always say, into some form of skills implication and manpower implication. And just to let you know, The Green Edge is now taking a week's break for Easter and our next full post and podcast will be in two weeks' time. And I guess the first things we'll be looking at are the government's revised net zero strategy and its response to the Skidmore Review. We will, and very timely, the Climate Change Committee and also the Green Alliance have released their own updates on where we're at, which don't make great reading about the preparedness of policy and policy being in place. The document is coming out today, uh, today being the 30th of the month, and it's a thousand page document. So we have a bit of Easter reading to go through to understand that. But the first airings of it are not overly enthusiastic. There is certain no attempt, it would appear, to match anything on the scale or direction 
of the Europeans or the Americans in their two major pieces of legislation to unleash the potential of the net zero to drive the economy and take us towards net zero, which is a great disappointment. But I might change my mind after reading a thousand pages over the next few days. I hope there's a good executive summary for me. With a few good infographics as well, hopefully. Thank you for listening to this Green Edge podcast. This podcast series accompanies the Green Edge newsletter, to which you can subscribe at greenedge.substack.com. The Green Edge is produced by Blue Mirror Insights.